time to start the conversation. It's time for an unauthorized caucus. We're back. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. It is another Thursday. It is noon, and it is caucus time. And, and it is leap day. It's leap day. This one doesn't count. Everything we say today just isn't going to be recorded on the internet. Is that how that works? No, it's not like a Y2K every four years. Oh. Like they, they programmed it in. So I guess we still have to like temper ourselves and, and not be crazy? Right. Okay, well then fine. This one counts, and it's going to be on the internet then still. So it's not just a one-day-only event. Fine. Your exclusivity is gone, people. Sorry that Mason killed it for you. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you can still find Unauthorized is- Caucus exclusively with us at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, X, and uh, anywhere else you anywhere else you find podcasts now. Anywhere else you find podcasts, that's true. Go to your podcast app, type in Unauthorized Caucus. You will find us. Look for the little caucus logo. It's up here in the screen. It's above Mason's head over here. And while you're looking for the logo, you can smack him because Leap Day's his fault. That's what we're just going to say and go with it today. So there you go. Uh, also, go to unauthorizedcaucus.com. Not only can you find the link to the podcast, you'll find all the social media and different things there, the playlist of all of our past episodes, but you will find this one each and every Thursday streaming live embedded in that page. So just tell people, go to unauthorizedcaucus.com, watch what I'm watching, and you too will be one of the greats or something like that. Yep. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. We're yeah. just going to run with it. So, thank you for being here. Welcome, everyone. And we've got a very spicy subject that's actually not so spicy once you dig down into it, but it kind of seems that way. Mm-hmm. And we've been mulling over this idea for a while. Decided it was, why are you so far out of frame? Am I? You're like, well, you're, I can't see your elbow. It's very oh. disconcerting. I think we just uh, didn't do yeah. the necessary checks before Something we started. Like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, it's, there uh, we go. See, there right. now we find we got a couple of hearts. There we go. YouTube, okay. we're getting some hearts now that Perfect. your elbow's on stage and you look <laughs> trustworthy again. Good. So I'm not oh, creeping goodness. in from the side. Yeah, the creeper. <laughs> oh goodness sakes. Well, speaking of creepers, Christian nationalism is our topic. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we were MSNBC really is where we're going to start, which is where the creeper thing comes in. No, Christian nationalism. This is a hot button issue, or at least. MSNBC and Politico want you to think so. That's for sure. That is for sure. And I did not, well, we, we've got the clips. I didn't actually get it queued up yet today because we're still getting used to some of our new streaming software and getting everything moving the way that it ought to be moving. But there's a very interesting clip that happened upon MSNBC last week. Uh, we will share that in the redacted email that comes out with all of our behind the scenes show notes every week. Go and sign up, phyllisschlafly.com, unauthorizedcaucus.com you too can get on the all-important email list and get it. You won't be left behind. But make sure that you go and watch this clip. It's very interesting, it's very important, and I think that it cracks open the whole discussion. It frees us up to all talk about Christian nationalism Mm -hmm. because this has just kind of become this taboo. People don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be accused of being it, but then there's no, what is it? There is no, there's no universal definition. Right. And the left is throwing this around in an accusatory manner. So it, it's time that I think we just hit it head on, at least here, and use our opportunity, our platform to talk about Christian nationalism. What is it? What is it not? And you might see from our uh, uh, from our um, headline here today, I, I said Christian nationalism is coming. But here's here's the, you know, uh, too long didn't read the TLDR for you today. Fake name, real principles. Uh, sign me up. 
that's that's kind of where I'm at. So mm -hmm. yeah, what what do you think? What are your initial thoughts as we dive off into this? Right. Well, the uh, I mean, you'll see the MSNBC clip, but it'd mm -hmm. be good to summarize it. So there was there was an article in Politico, I think, uh, earlier this week or late last week, one of the two, called yeah. "Trump Allies Prepare to Infuse Christian Nationalism in Second Administration," and it is by. Uh, Ward and uh, Heidi, Pru I think it's a I mainly Polish just wanted you name. to say this name. Yeah, I, I, I give up. Her first name is Heidi, but she was the one who went on MSNBC. Yes. Uh, and they were they were talking to her, and they were like, oh, wise one, tell us all these truths about Christian nationalism. And um, and she was, I went through and read the article this morning, too, and it's, right. it's all around the same thing. Uh, the typical leftist uh, way of, you know, doing journalism. You describe something, but you kind of have an aghast tone the entire time, so your reader just takes on that same aghast tone, and they're like, oh, they want to they wanna restrict abortion? <gasps> you know, there's nothing mm. like, it, or just the assertion that it's like, oh, and so-and-so who associates with so-and-so uh, who does X misinformation. Um, Baltimore County? Is, you know, it's, it's that same whole style of a uh, Politico uh, leftist journalism. And mm -hmm. so she, she goes on MSNBC and they're like, oh, wise one, what is Christian nationalism? And uh, she's like, oh, it's distinct from real Christianity, which I'm not quite sure what she means by that. But she says yeah. that the kind of the fundamental aspect of Christian nationalism is that unlike normal Christians who think that they get their rights from Congress and the Supreme Court, Christian nationalists... Well, I've got the quotes here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, read, so here's, it, so here's what, what, what Heidi says. Heidi, Pris okay, hold on. Pris Pris Prisbila? 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 This is why the founders were anti-immigration. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes our YouTube stream. Uh, okay, so here's here's what the here's what this political author says on on the MSNBC. And again, we'll we'll link everything in the redacted notes. You'll see it. But so a couple of the key things. She says Christian nationalists in America believe that the country was founded as a Christian nation. True. And that Christian values should be prioritized throughout government and public life. I would say that's somewhat debatable, but mostly true. Yeah, it's true. I'm yeah. on board. True. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yes. And again, what are, we'll get into some, some specifics mm -hmm. here. But she goes on, and this is where the real controversy kicked in. The thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalist is very different, she asserts, is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that is that they are determining, man, men, it is men are determining what God is telling them. So let me get this straight. My rights, my inalienable human rights, don't come from the 435 yahoos in Congress and the nine semi-yahoos who sit on the Supreme Court and the major yahoo, senile, <laughs> who's in the white. This is a good thing! I'm sorry, in what universe is this a bad thing for me to believe that these come? Actually, in fact, this is a fundamentally American thing. Mm -hmm. The whole premise of America is that, hey, government, our rights don't come from you, and you're not allowed to take them away. In fact, it's your job to protect these things that innately belong to us mm -hmm. as human beings because they come from a higher authority, a higher power. Period. That, that is, read the Declaration of Independence. This goes back way before the Constitution. This is the whole fundamental point of American government. Why our nation exists. Because our rights don't come from government. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm a Christian nationalist. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. If that's her definition. 
it's 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 and it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And again, this is you know I, I actually I found a couple other definitions. Let me share real quick. Uh, NPR. This is because again, the the first thing that should happen whenever this like some label arises, and we keep like there are billions of definitions and no one can seem to agree upon a universal one. That should immediately get you to raise your eyebrows and be very concerned that someone is manipulating you if there's not this universal understanding of what this word means and entails. Now, of course, the left is building that, the narrative machine now, but here, NPR, a worldview that claims that, US, uh, that the U.S. is a Christian nation and that the country's laws should therefore be rooted in Christian values. Uh, and another one, this kind of, this might surprise you to see the source from, but Amanda Tyler, the executive director of the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, which, make no mistake, the Baptist Committee for Joint Religious Liberty, this is not a church institution per se, this is using a name. Christian nationalism is a political ideology and cultural framework, she says, that seeks to merge American and Christian identities. It is, it heavily relies upon a mythological founding of the United States as a Christian nation. Singled out for God's special favor, the Christian in Christian nationalism is more about identity than religion and carries with it assumptions about nativism, white supremacy, authoritarianism, patriarchy, and militarism. There's a lot of buzzwords. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of impressed at the amount of buzzwords she fit into one sentence. Yeah. So there, there you go. There's, there's a couple of others. Basically, this uh, predication that America was founded by people who uh, had Christian values and thought Christian values were at the center of it, mm -hmm. i.e. the understanding that our rights come from God and it's not government's job to suspend them at ever, at any point. It's government's job to protect them. Right. Uh, that is Christian nationalism and it's wrong. The founding of America. Right, the, that, the that literal is just actual a founding of America. Of this country and the philosophy that it was it founded is. on. Apparently, all of America was a Christian nationalist nation for 200 years until the last 50 that these people have decided to be in charge. Yep. So, this... Uh, I mean, this is this is a manufactured term. Mm -hmm. This is a scare tactic. Right. I mean, that's that's essentially that's what this is. They're sound. These are secularists and leftists, progressives. They'll call themselves. They're sounding the alarm and basically trying to just lament the involvement of conservatives or Christians in politics and culture. Mm -hmm. They want to scare voters away from Christian-sounding people running for office. Right. Yeah. It's a fake name. It's a it's a. It's an agenda, a mm -hmm. propaganda campaign. But all of the principles that they describe and deride are literally just the description of the founding of America and things that I think we ought to get back to. Right. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of dimensions to this, this discussion. Yeah, what you're talking about, there's, a, there's an article by Andrew Cuff called Christian Nationalism is a PSYOP. And essentially what, <laughs> that, what that article is arguing is that, like, you know, this guy's like, well, for the past three decades I've been a Christian and I've been a nationalist, and then all of a sudden there's this term Christian nationalist out of nowhere. Uh -huh. and it was like, where does this come from? This comes from the, uh, the narrative machine, like, like Edward, <coughs> you know, the, the narrative machine that just creates these terms. And it's, it's originally meant to be a smear term, you know, mm -hmm. just jumping up out of nowhere. Um, but this article, this article comes out of a series from Chronicles magazine, which I think that uh, we will link all of them in the redacted email. But it's a five article series from, I think, late 2022. Uh, that's really good. Uh, it has a lot of different perspectives from a lot of good author, authors on this issue, but uh, I read through those this morning as well, which kind of gave me a view of all the different dimensions on it. Um, and uh, it, there's, you know, there's a, Paul Gottfried, the founder of Chronicles, kind of has an overview of the whole Christian nationalist, you know, deal. And, mm -hmm. and his point is that 
this is just the philosophy of the American founding. Like w what you're talking about is just the philosophy of the American founding. Um, and uh, it, throughout the series, our, our Nima Parvini, author of The Populist uh -huh. Illusion, has an entry in this series called Christian Nationalism is a Political Fantasy. We can get into that some if we want. Uh, but then there's a uh, Catholic view of Christian nationalism, and, which is called integralism, a Protestant view of Christian nationalism. Uh, that article is by Stephen Wolf, who wrote uh, right. the book The Case for Christian Nationalism, mm -hmm. uh, and then caps off with Christian nationalism is a psyop. So of course we'll we'll link all of those, but there's there's a lot of interesting ideas here and a lot of different ways to kind of approach the Christian nationalist issue. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that and this is. Well, this is one of the very the very interesting and key distinctions I think we should make. By the way, I see someone, I'm, I'm linking it in the chat down here, but I see someone talking about how this uh, Love Horses over on YouTube says this, you know, you know who started this? Obama. Uh, first week in office, I believe. And I was going to say, there's a great book by Phyllis Schlafly on that topic, specifically called No Higher Power. She wrote that in 2012. I'm going to link it in the description down below or in the chat. So if you're on YouTube, go check out that link. But um, really interesting book there from Phyllis. Uh, on this topic, no higher power, the uh, Obama's war on religious liberty. But let's make um, let's make a couple of very um, interesting distinctions. What I think the big thing is that that um, well, of course, this term mm -hmm. it's a political manufacture, a political fallacy mm -hmm. that this this group. I mean, okay, maybe there are some people out there like this. But what they're describing or trying to foment fear into, mm -hmm. into voters' minds, essentially, what the left is trying to do is convince you that there's a bunch of people who want a theocracy, mm -hmm. which is not what they're saying, but that's essentially what they're equating when they keep saying Christian nationalism. And mm -hmm. I mean, let's be clear. Theocracy is something entirely different. That, that's where we are the, America is the antithesis of a theocracy. Mm -hmm. I mean, a theocracy, you see and That's where clergy, God runs the government. Well, th that's the synony synonymity, whatever you call it, of yeah. church and government together. Mm -hmm. The clergy are the government. The mm -hmm. government is the church. You see this, this meshing together of the two. Literally, mm -hmm. it is one in the same thing. That's not what we're describing. In fact, America specifically is anti-theocracy mm -hmm. because the, the religious liberty that was instilled here in America, that was put into our founding documents, this is what the original wall of separation between church and state means. When Thomas Jefferson is describing it, when they came and set up this system, when the framers hung the, the, um, the corners of our, of our foundation here in America, it was on the specific principle that there would be a separation between the leadership of government and the leadership of the church. Mm -hmm. We will select our church leaders, we will run this institution here, we will select our government leaders, they will not be the same. It will be different processes. These will both be their own institution so that the church is not wielding the state as a as an arm of itself neither is the state just puppeteering the church as a, an institution to cow people into spiritual submission or something it, this is what they escaped from the using of one of the other the combining of these two and it never turned into something that resembled the christian faith it ended up turning into some massive amalgamation you know with king henry the eighth using right. the church of england to do his bidding because he didn't mm -hmm. like what the actual church was saying these are the kinds of things that they specifically sought to avoid so when they fear-mongered this christian nationalism term on msnbc they're trying to convince you that we want to set up some sort of theocracy like mm -hmm. iran and then we're going to have this you know the, the the church is running the government the government runs the church they're one in the same that is not that is the antithesis of what we want here 
We're not talking about that. We're not talking about state-sponsored religion. We're not talking about, you know, mm -hmm. this is specifically a very different thing, but it is still founded upon the principles, the Judeo-Christian principles and values that are there. That they very much did because those are the only principles that actually have a respect for private property and, you know, men working together. It's a very interesting thing when you start digging into, they are trying to convince you and scare you into some sort of theocratic idea, which is mm -hmm. exactly the opposite of what almost every single Christian and all of our Christian founding fathers understood. Even the ones who were accused of being deists still, th this was a general belief, like the, these, these, this religious liberty comes only inside the constraint of a moral law. Mm -hmm. And that moral law, we're talking about the same moral law and traditions that have been around for thousands of years that were recognized by even the Greeks before there was a church. Mm -hmm. You know, these principles, these Judeo-Christian principles of private property and, you know, individual rights and, and that they come from a higher power. This is universal. Right. This I, is normal. I disagree. Okay. That, uh, that you're, I, I disagree on a few a few points. Um, I can tell, your face was, was saying disagree, disagree. Yeah. Um, Part of me kind of thinks that Christian nationalism is just what theocracy looks like within the constraints of like post enlightenment liberal government, because um, you know because kind of the idea that I, I reading from some of these specifically from Noland who wrote the Catholic view of Christian nationalism and Wolf who wrote the Protestant view of Christian nationalism, they're both kind of describing this uh, this throne and altar aspect which we saw in the Holy Roman Empire which I think we would call a theocracy mm -hmm. uh, where the um, where there's the emperor and the pope and the emperor is subject to the pope um, and obviously like not all Christian nationalists are Catholic and I don't think even the Catholic Christian nationalists or integralists are you know claiming that the pope should be running the United States or anything like that uh, but what they, what they are saying is that okay they're maybe there shouldn't be such a separation between church and state. Maybe we should let the, maybe we should let our principles of Christianity, you know, create very real guidelines within the government um, and within the way it works because it's, it's been true for as long as states that, it, that, for as long as states have existed that each government has a priestly class within it. And if we're going to create a clear separation between church and state, which mind you, there is no that term is not in the First Amendment of the Constitution. No, it is not. It says that the that the government shall make no institution regarding religion. No, no law respecting yeah, an no, establishment of religion. Right. Uh, yeah. Do no you law. need the actual Constitution to quote it? I'm just need no, to no, no. It. You, you got it. You got it. Okay. But, cool. <laughs> but I, but it does not say separation of church and state. You know, it's saying we cannot establish our own religion through law. Um, but that doesn't mean it can't adopt a religion. <coughs> well, and, and, it, and, and it has because because there right. is necessarily going to be a there, there's going to be a political ideal as we talked about in mm -hmm. the Nemo Parvini book. There's going to be a political ideal that justifies the existence and the actions of the state. And for the most part, this political ideal is going to be accepted on the basis of faith. It's going to be a religious acceptance. And so there must be a priestly class of some kind that can enforce the religious acceptance. And our political ideal is like, you know, the people rule or something like that. And it's quickly becoming uh, gay rights. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, but what the Christian nationalists are saying is like, okay, well, we want there to be a new, um, a new political idea at the center of the way our state functions. And, and that's, uh, and I think it's interesting because when I first read uh, Parvini's article about Christian nationalism, his main critique was like, 
okay, these Tor like Torba, the Gab guys, you know, mm -hmm. writing about this, they're saying, okay, well, stop going to Starbucks, delete Netflix, and go to church and do some grassroots organizing. And it's like, okay, this is this is not going to do anything because, um, as, as we understand from Parvini's political framework, that you have to have a counter elite to that has to be better organized than the existing elite to come in and replace them. And reading reading the article from Politico. Um, kind of made me think, okay, well, now that's kind of happening because uh, Russell Vogt, uh, who the authors spend, spend so much time focusing on, has a program that, that has Christian nationalism within it to flood the administration with conservatives that have strong Christian and strong nationalist mm -hmm. principles. Uh, you know, essentially saying, okay, let's create a counter-elite. And once our guy gets in power, let's do everything we can to push out those elites and get our counter-elites in. Um, but, I mean, what that means is uh, you know, uprooting the priests of the secular religion of progressivism or wokeism or whatever you want to call it. Because every state has a religion and there's, there's no way around it. And our, our religion is just wokeism. I'm just going to drag out the pregnant pause here for no, uh, no. I, I, I very interesting points, and I mean, there's a I, I agree with quite a bit of what you're saying in there. And I, just as a note, one thing that's that's interesting to me, and and actually I've just I've dabbled in this conversation a couple of times with other folks this year already. This idea of um, you know the separation of church and state is one of my things. Whenever someone says you know uh, Christian nationalism, we're talking about the fact that well, generally that term when someone uses it, we're talking about a leftist who's using it in a negative light, who's trying to get across this point. Most of the time when someone talks about separation of church and state, it's not a Christian who's looking to influence, you know, we're talking about someone who's against religious right. influence in public. It kind of has a, a certain connotation. Anyone who uses that phrase, it's got a certain connotation, like, we know what you mean. Mm -hmm. We know where you're coming from. Now, I, I hate to make a universal generality, but in general, that's true. Like, that, that's, these are the people who use it. It's the, you know, uh, what's the, the um, Americans for, uh, Americans against religious, or whatever it is. I forget the name of the main, they're always suing, you know, people. It's the ones who have, like, the anti-religion um, in the public sphere. It's Americans for separation of church and state or something. I forget oh. what the organization is. Anyway, those are the folks who use that phrase. It's very interesting when you go back and look at it and look at the co context of the Founding Fathers because obviously that, that phrase itself comes from a letter Thomas Jefferson wrote mm -hmm. to the Baptists in Danbury, Connecticut, and he's promised, you know, it's essentially what he's saying is there's a wall of separation. No, we're not going to come in and railroad you. You get to do what you want. There is a wall of separation. The government is not here to run the church. Mm -hmm. That's the point. But if you look at when they're, when they're writing this, there's some very interesting things. Um, first of all, this is a federal document. The First Amendment. This is the Constitution of the United States. This is a chain on the federal government mm -hmm. telling them what they are specifically to do and things that they are not allowed to do, right. which is largely the Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. Here are restrictions that you may not do this. Mm -hmm. You may not respect an establishment of religion. Well, what does that mean? Nor may you prohibit the free exercise thereof, the language. Um, if you look at that time, several of the colonies, then states, had a state church. Mm -hmm. There was an organized, chosen, this is our establishment of religion, but the federal level is not going to establish one. Right. Like, it's kind of an interesting set of nuanced things when right. you start to look at the time and say, so these guys weren't just against 
there being some sort of chosen state religion. Mm -hmm. We just chose not to have one at the federal level right. and this and that and the other. And you kind of start to realize the context of what they're talking about in no way, shape, or form can you ever misinterpret that one of the things they meant was we cannot have, government must be secular. Mm -hmm. Government must have no Christian influence. That was obviously not right. the point when you look at the context of everything that they're writing about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the big things that the separation church and state folks want to do. This, this new movement to try to separate, oh, there's Christians and then there's Christian nationalists. Well, you go talk to anyone who calls themselves a Christian if they want biblical principles applied across the board, which is respect for the dignity of life and you know private property and don't lie mm -hmm. and bear false witness about your neighbor and justice system and due process all of us want these things and all of us want the, you know these things to be in public life right. these are christian values mm -hmm. in public life now i'm not here to tell you that you have to have x or y or z denomination and this is the state requirement but these principles we all agree on this is this is the whole point of it mm -hmm. they're trying to make this case that well, Christianity is much different than that. It's all very private, and it's all very wishy-washy. You know, they want the wishy-washy self-help self-help version of Christianity. Mm -hmm. They want people to assume by that statement that that's the mainstream version, and right. it's just the weirdos who are really militant about it. Right. When in fact, it's actually the opposite is quite actually true as far as who the majority of people are. But again, you say a thing long enough. You, you speak it into existence, you begin to convince people that it's true when you say the lie long enough and then right. it ends up becoming true. People begin to mold to that. This is exactly the danger of the narrative machine, as mm -hmm. Ed calls it all the time. Um, I'm in the middle of reading George Orwell's 1984, if you can't yeah. tell. I'm really hopped up about it all. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. So there's, there's a very specific set of nuanced things around the founding that you look at and start to realize 100% stamp of approval, Christian influence on public life and government have at it. Now, there are some specific chains we're going to set down mm -hmm. to separate the federal government and choice of federal political leaders from church leaders and from mm -hmm. church governance. We want these things to be different because right. we've seen them combined and wielded as a very bad thing in the past. Mm -hmm. Let's avoid that. But this is not the imp um, imposition of Christian values on society or mm -hmm. understanding undergirding of society with Christian values that is not what we're talking about right. when, when they you know put up a wall of separation or whatever phraseology you want to get into right yeah it, it seems like uh, what what leftists mean by you know normal Christians or real Christians the non-christian nationalists are apathetic Christians you know Christians who don't care mm -hmm. you know this the type of person you'll see on social media that's like well as a lifelong Catholic I have no problem with trans people or like I have no problem with abortion you know like okay th that's what they mean by normal Christians people who um, don't really believe anything Rod Dreher called it uh, moralistic therapeutic deism uh, mm -hmm. And that, that's what these people are, MTD for short, you know, that's what these people believe in. Uh, it's just kind of this, you know, general, oh, there's somebody out there that's, that cares about me and created the world, I guess. Um, but he doesn't really care about what I do in my life and doesn't really care uh, what society looks like. Um, and, uh, you know, when it gets down to it, we should just let people do whatever they want because that's called being decent. And but when leftists use the word decency, they always mean apathy. They mean, you know, do not care about the health of the, your society. Do not right. care what the world looks like around you. Um, do not love your fellow man. That's what they mean by decency. They mean do not love and be apathetic towards everybody else. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, and, you know, I always see those, those memes online that's like, 
uh, has the the kind of soy looking guy, the liberal dude, um, mm -hmm. that's you know the, looking real smug, and he's like, "Well, this argument wouldn't work on me, but based on my super surface level reading of the Bible, I'm going to use this argument on you to say why you should, you know, import the entirety of the third world into your country." You know, I I, I don't even know if the authors of this political Politico article are Christian. You know, they might be, they might not be. Um, but if, for the most part, when I see people being like, oh, well, real Christians believe this, and, um, and as a conservative, I can tell that you're not a real Christian. It's never Christians making those arguments. And it's especially not like devout Christians, mm -hmm. very rarely. Um, We're going to call, by the way, someone's mentioning, yes, it, I, I am not sick, but I do have congestion. We're just, people in the chat, I guess, are worried about your health being, uh, health and well-being here. Because you're, <laughs> no, that, you got, can't get that elbow out, or otherwise oh, we yeah. lose all of our, no. I do have, it's, I have seasonal stuff going on, and the congestion is just wild. Congestion and throat. So that's where the frogginess comes from, and I. The CIA is sending allergens into our building. Here's the deal. The agency has sent a DNA-structured, molecule-based bioweapon straight at me because I said they, no, I'm kidding. Um, it's the Rothschilds. I'm going to stop now. It, you, well, he's gone too. Uh, I'm going to stop now before that actually potentially happens to me. Uh, interesting thing uh, being made, talking about uh, this. Someone says that you know the normal Christians that Mason's mentioning is kind of interesting, like the rhinos instead of Republicans. <laughs> Probably not even nominal Christians. Instead of rhinos, I, I have a, can we call these people chinos? Christians in name only? <laughs> no, because that's, chinos? A, that's already a thing. I know it is. Yeah. But I thought it was funny. Okay, fine. Kill and I wear fun. chinos, so I don't want to. I don't want to hurt myself. From from two guys wearing chinos, I yeah, that's that's yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> but no, that's that's true. And then this is um, this is a very you know an alternative point to make here, which you kind of you said it. You knocked on the door of it a minute ago that wokeism is our state religion now. Mm -hmm. I mean, as as far as what the government is propagating, uh, there will be always at all times a religious viewpoint mm -hmm. for everyone. Yeah. Atheism is a religious view of God mm -hmm. that he doesn't exist. It is a viewpoint that hinges on the existence of God or the involvement of God, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. There is always a religious viewpoint. The religion of athe well, the religion of atheism, I would I would argue you could call the practicing religion side of it is secular humanism. Mm -hmm. This, you know, man is ultimately perfectible. He is good down to his nature. We can only change his outside circumstances and then he will end up being, this mm -hmm. is this utopianism upon which socialism, Marxism is based. And it's, it's well, there's a, there's a word for it that I hesitate to say, but I'll go ahead and say it. Horse feathers. It's horse feathers. That's what you thought I was going to say, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. horse feathers. Because you and I both know that man is not innately good. You do not need to teach a toddler to be bad. <laughs> Children know how to be bad from birth on. You have mm -hmm. to teach them to have self-control and patience. These things are not the natural. Now, some people are a little more right. predisposed to it than others, but it ain't man's nature, that's for right. sure. That's why you know uh, Hobbes was wrong, and, yeah. or Hobbes was right, <coughs> so was wrong. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, but it's, it's when you remove Christian values, from the central stage of your worldview or the, the, the dominating worldview of the people who are running government, which I would argue has definitely happened, especially over the last 80 years, mm -hmm. 80 plus years in America, something else will replace it. It will not be replaced by a void, no religion. It will be replaced by religion. That religion became, as has become, secular humanism, which right now is violent wokeism. Right. That is the, the practicing arm of secular humanism right now is what we would call wokeism. This, 
you know, the, the critical theory, the, mm -hmm. you know, the institutions are bad and must be torn down we start over, the whole thing. It's so very, very interesting right. uh, to see. But let us make no mistake, that is in fact a religious viewpoint. And that religion has permeated government mm -hmm. and is using the strong arm of government to do its will mm -hmm. against its political and religious opponents. Right. There is a state religion and it's one that hates you and right. me and you. Right, and it, it, it worships death and weakness. Why uh, must you ask the hard questions? Love Horses says, so what do we do now? What do we do now? Oh, come um, on. What are you coming to us for the real... No, I'm kidding. Uh, what you do now is... What do we do uh, now? That's, that's the next part of this conversation. What do we do now? Well, I mean, we can't, you know, explicitly endorse anybody because we're a nonprofit. but... Well, but that doesn't fix it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, if you want to think in terms of a, uh, a circulation of elites to, you mm -hmm. know instantiate a new political formula um, that that's that's a pretty important first step you know that it's, it's kind of hard to replace um, the libtards in the Biden regime with uh, cool and based Christian nationalists <laughs> so, well it, 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 currently you know um, but I mean that's that's what we need to do we need our people to be in power someone she says crinos how about we call them the crinos? <laughs> Which, yeah. with the, with a lot of the crying that they do, I think that's actually fair. Um, what we need to do is but, we need to be willing to unapologetically uh, defeat our enemies and reward our friends. Yes, that I was about to say. That's what we need to do. Is multifaceted. It really is. I mean, there's all of the layers because first of all, we have to go and win in the political mm -hmm. realm. We have to turn back the tide. And, and by no means, I'll go ahead and say it, this is my personal view, because again, like he just said, we're a 501c3. There's no official endorsement from anyone mm -hmm. else, but from me, from my lips, we've got to have Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. We cannot have Joe Biden, or whoever the heck is actually running the administration, Susan Rice, it's not Joe Biden, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Or Obama. We can't, oh, Obama, pulling the strings. Mm -hmm. We cannot have a Nikki Haley who answers to whatever master she Boo. answers to. We cannot have a Mike Pence who answers to whatever masters he answers Boo. to. We have to have someone who is more independent from the system and wants to change, break, turn off, shut down at least parts of the system, if not almost the whole system itself, as it has become. Not our constitution, the bureaucracies that are subverting it. So you want to invite got, Javier Malay from Argentina? You know what, I, I foreign <laughs> yeah. VP, bring it on. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, we have, but that's the thing, we've got to do uh, like a Javier, right. Javier Malay style thing or a Bukele style thing. No, this is what we're going to do. Let us mm -hmm. make a radical political transformation now. Whatever ticket represents that direction, you know, Trump is not perfect. Whatever ticket represents that direction, we must go for it because there must be change done. Now, that's a Band-Aid because the reality is schools have twisted children long enough and indoctrinated mm -hmm. them long enough to this new state religion that we have lost the hearts and minds of the voters. There is going to be a part, uh, a point in, in, in this linear history that we're on, I think, where we can't win an election even anymore. Even mm -hmm. if we stopped all of the illegal immigrants coming in and just getting handed driver's licenses and, and voting cards, if we stopped all of those things, I think there's still, if we don't turn off the indoctrination from, from cradle up, mm -hmm. almost, with our pre-K and then institutionalized government schools, we eventually will reach a tipping point of losing because mm -hmm. those people, their hearts and minds need to be changed to understand. That's not a political fix. Mm -hmm. That's a spiritual fix. That is a, that is a new great awakening, a new revival that's needed. Right. So 
yes, we need to do the political things and do them now, and we must right. win, which means I can't just sit back and wait for someone who sounds more Christian. I will take Donald Trump, who's actually going to defend my faith, mm -hmm. even if I don't know if he totally shares it. That dude's going to at least give me a fighting chance for liberty. We must win. Right. I'll take him, and but that's once, a political fix. But I also have, have to go to, change hearts and minds. You have to like it, it. It doesn't just matter that you win. You have to actually do something. Once right. It, Which it's is not enough to be in power. You have to right. use power. And exactly. It, and you have to not only do that, but you have to use power to. Um, and I that's mean, what we, I mean we talk by about winning. This, like, I should, every, I should every clarify. Week, we talk about the existential situation we're in in America. Winning does not mean just having a Republican with an or a, a Republican in the presidency and Republicans in Congress. Winning means there is no more left. That's what victory looks like mm -hmm. because the left is a revolutionary pro project that will stop at nothing but the total remaking of society. We saw this in the French Revolution. Mm -hmm. We saw this across Europe when the communists were uprising. We saw this in the Soviet Union. Uh, we see this over and over again. They do not stop until they have had their total and complete victory. And so what happens is they either win and remake society and then people die and it's a disaster or somebody steps up and is like no this is not going to happen like in Spain when when they were like okay no we're we're not going to we're not going to meet in the marketplace of ideas and talk about it uh, they're like no we're going to kill all these communists because they're trying to destroy our country and that's i mean i mean i'm not saying we need to kill the left but we certainly need to get all of these people that are indoctrinating from cradle to grave, uh, they need to be out of positions of influence and power completely. Right. You know, they should probably be put in jail. <coughs> Which is why, uh, to your point, when I say win, and I, sh I should have clarified from the beginning, um, you can't, that doesn't just mean win elections. That means get in and then do something. Win, mm -hmm. winning, do, you know, we must use the positions of power appropriately inside checks and balances to actually shut stuff down. Mm -hmm. Like I'm looking for someone to wholesale close some of the federal agencies that ought not to exist right. and fold some of the, if there is any essential function in any of them, fold it back into something else. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about laying off tens of thousands, millions of federal employees. This is not going to be a popular person. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that's why a second term, a lame duck Donald Trump is one of the most incredible gifts we could get. Mm -hmm. well, will he do that? I don't know, I hope so. Right. But. Maybe we'll find out. I'd like to find out because I know Biden sure won't. Right. A lame duck Biden won't do any of the things that mm -hmm. I want to do. Um, and there is no other third alternative right now. None of right. those are going to happen. And I don't trust RFK Jr. to do it either. But um, you've got to get in and use the power that is given to you to actually do things correctly in the mm -hmm. right direction and make change. There has to be winning and there has to be active doing. But again, to the point of what I was saying, it's a multifaceted thing. That's great, but that can't be our entire energy because at the end of it all, there has to be a hearts and minds change in the people, in the culture, uh, because I do, I do believe that, I mean, it depends. I think it's I think it's actually a sliding scale. Sometimes politics is downstream of culture. Sometimes culture is downstream of politics. It depends on where the more powerful things. Right now, I would tend to say culture is actually downstream of politics. Right. Well, politics has a far more loud and brash mm -hmm. and bigger reach, and the cultures just kind of believe it. But that, we need to write that again. Like, yeah, in either situation. Culture needs to be stronger again. Well, no, in either situation, but, you can... I say that. But. Like, a state can eliminate hostile nodes of culture. It is capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the... Like, a lot of what we call wokeism today what did has existed for a century onward. Um, you know, even before then. And, you know, we talked about that in, like, the Carrie Gress book. We talked about 
we we read history and we can see like okay the LGBTQ stuff you know this was underground for a long time and because we had decency laws because we suppressed their culture uh, because there used to be laws about what you could and couldn't put on TV you know all these cultural things politics uh, the political power is capable and has been capable and has uh, kept down harmful culture in this country and it should do the same again. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, regardless of what's upstream, downstream from what politics can subjugate culture to itself, it can mm -hmm. change that relationship. And and I think it's important to highlight that, like winning in the way we describe, uh, can't be done by Congress. Like Congress is not going to pull it off. Congress can't no. even like pass basic legislation to move the situation half a percentage in our direction. Um, you know. I, the Supreme Court probably can't either. I mean, they probably have more power to, but I think it takes a single man willing to uh, say, okay, like, I, I am going to be sovereign. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the state of exception. Well, and, and honestly, to be completely transparent, the problem is not in, I mean, Congress is a problem, but Congress is not the problem. Mm -hmm. the, the Supreme Court has been a problem and still sometimes consternatingly is, but mm -hmm. they are not the problem. The problem is the administrative state. Mm -hmm. The problem is inside the executive branch. So it requires an executive mm -hmm. with some cojones to come in and do what must be done. That's the person who can do the most, the fastest, the best, and that is still inside of the constitutional system. Right. Because the unconstitutional, out of bounds, out without a, a check, is inside the executive mm -hmm. branch. We need an executive who will again say, no, you're fired. <laughs> right. There's my, yeah, there's, there's, you know, I won't tell you who to vote for. Just vote for the person who's going to fire the most people. Yeah. Who do we know who fits that bill? Right. But again, like that's, and this, this goes into the conversation, and, and that's a whole separate thing that no one is perfect. We will never have a perfect candidate. What Phyllis said, Jesus is not on the ballot. Mm -hmm. there, there's just, there is no perfect person right. ever. We are dealing inside of a fallen world. So you go the right direction. It's not perfect, but we know the right direction. And th there is always, almost always, very rarely in my life has the binary choice between a Republican and a Democrat nominee not been a good direction and a bad direction. Perfect person? No. Evil person? Maybe. <laughs> but there's a good direction and a bad direction. Mm -hmm. And if we're moving and voting and choosing the good direction, we can always then try to steer and influence and change more people to make it better, not just good. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a whole separate, again, the, the, your, your vote is not an absolute moral endorsement. It is a political tool that you have. There's shades of gray. I'm voting for imperfect people, so I shouldn't sit back and just wait for someone who sounds perfect. Also, the people who sound perfect often turn out to be hypocrites. Um, mm -hmm. Look for the people who actually have results. I feel like we have that choice. But that's that's a that's a must. There's There's the multifaceted approach where each of us have to do what we can politically, do what we can to actually proselytize and, and preach the gospel and change hearts and minds. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're just going to be fighting the losing political battle, slapping band-aids on stuff that just keeps kind of tumbling downhill because everyone else in, in the country is rotted. Their brains and their hearts and their consciences and souls are rotted out. Mm -hmm. So we're just slapping band-aids on it and it's not actually going to fix the problem because that's not the fix. So there's, there's, it's, it's multifaceted. That's what we do. Yeah. It's not just a single thing. It's all the things. Welcome to life. Yep. It's all the things. You're going to be tired. So new parenting advice. Dad advice, you're going to be tired. Oh, I bet. For the next 18 plus years. I bet. It depends on how many kids you have, but at least 18 mm -hmm. now. So yeah. you're, just, you're going to be tired mm -hmm. all the time. Anyway, 
I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be. I believe it. That's why we have coffee. That's why God made coffee. <laughs> That's why God gave us coffee mm-hmm. because He loves us and wants us to survive our children who are blessings from the Lord, and you should have them, people. More of them often and earlier. Amen. Anyway. There you yeah, go. I think that's all we got. That's it. That's a long topic, uh, but I think it's an important one. Don't be, sign me up. Don't be afraid. When they start talking about Christian nationalism, know what it is that they're doing. They are trying to pigeonhole you with a fake name, but it is real principles that have been there since the foundations of America, 250 years strong. Yes, please. Let's put Christian values back at the center of how we govern in America. Mm-hmm. There you go. Don't be afraid of it. Don't let them cow you into it. Uh, that's been it. I think that we've covered everything. I'll go ahead and remind everyone again uh, as I'm reading through our Rumble chat here, which came up at the end. I'm, I like Crynos. I'm gonna. I may be trying to stick Crynos. with that Crynos. Yeah. The the Crino babies. And no. Uh, anyway, there's. Oh, we've been watching. <laughs> this is someone from Southern California is talking about Adam Schiff's new ads for Senate and how it's vomit producing. I can only imagine, and we pity you. <laughs> Blessings upon you. Move. Missouri welcomes you anytime you want to come out here. Um, It's cheaper, too. I guarantee you. Cheaper than Southern California. But uh, that's it. Don't forget, go to unauthorizedcaucus.com. Pick up the podcast when we're done. Send that around to your friends. You can find all the videos, all the links, all the everything else, and sign up for the email list. Also, unauthorizedcaucus.com. Like, share, and subscribe the video wherever you are. Make sure that you send it to a friend. Talk to them about this topic. See what they think. Uh, and just uh, start the conversation. Say, I'm a Christian nationalist. What are you? <laughs> See what happens. You never know. Stir the pot, people. But watch out for thing. HR if you're in a situation where that's a concern. Yeah, don't use don't use your work chat if you're doing that because that, you know, cancel culture and everything, that may be a, that may be a problem. But uh, that's it. That's all we've got. Until next week, have a safe one, everyone. And we'll talk to you again on another Unauthorized Caucus next Thursday at noon. Have a good week, everybody. Bye.